everybody. Welcome to Mountain Park. So glad that you're here. My name is Alan, and this is my friend Gracie. How are you? I'm good. How you are got you? your coffee? Yes, Bob brought me coffee. <laughs> We're all set up here. By way of introduction of our church and this building, we're doing this series called You Are Here, and we're looking at different parts of the building this morning. We're looking at the lobby where we get to sit and hang out and drink coffee, right? Yes. yes. And you enjoy that? Good. We have the patio over here. We have people gathering here talking. We have the cafe over here where these young people have been working hard all morning. Hi, welcome to the prayer. How may I help you? Outstanding. May I have a, uh, a pumpkin spice late? Latte. Latte, sorry. I don't drink coffee. That'll be $4. $4, great. Just put it on my account. Van Amerongen. Okay. Thank you. Is that, look at that, so fast. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. This is a pumpkin spice late. And uh, the lobby here is one of my favorite uh, areas of the church. Last week at our grand opening, this spot was so amazing with all the doors open and people sitting around and, and, and going in and out. And it was just a special place. I won't be talking about the lobby from the lobby for the whole morning because that would get old real soon. So I'm going to go see if there's anybody in the auditorium. Morning, everybody. Oh, good. There, there is somebody here. Good. Now, I don't drink coffee. This is a spice caramel frappolato, I think, or something like that. Does anyone want it? It's fresh. It's warm. There you go. First hand went up. Enjoy. Good. Good. Just don't spill. So, um, so, hey, uh, welcome everybody. We're doing a series called You Are Here, and we're kind of walking through the different parts of the building and kind of letting you know what was uh, happening here. Last week, we talked about this room, uh, the auditorium, and what happens here in this space. Uh, a couple things. I think we uh, I talked about the skybox area, and I think I oversold it because we've got lots of room down here, and there's a number of people who get there first, which is quite, quite cool. Um, uh, another thing is that we had a rule last time about the couches, and uh, if you remember the, the rule on the couches, if you're new and you got a couch, terrific, there is just one rule that we all want to be on the same page with. Do you remember the rule? It is? Don't fall asleep or no sleeping. Great. Love it, love it, love it. What that means is uh, uh, if you fall asleep in a regular seat, I won't bother you. If you take a couch and you fall asleep... You're mine, and we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. So I'm watching. I'm watching you couch people. So anyway, uh, last week also when we were talking about this room, I, I revealed that in the concrete of this platform, we opened up a Bible to Romans chapter 12. And the reason for that was verse 2 in that chapter, uh, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that whole idea of of, of being transformed in the renewing of our mind, that, that that's what we're here to do. We gather here in this space to think differently about God, about ourselves, about our past, about our future, about others, about our relationships, that we can come in here from different backgrounds, but we come in here and we say, God, in what way do you want to challenge me to think differently in some area of, my, of, our, of our lives? And so that's what we do when we come here in this space um, but this morning, we're talking about the lobby area and why we designed it the way we did. So as we head in that direction, would you bow your heads and pray with me? 
Father, I'm so thankful once again for this building and really that we're in here and, and, and now we can really move forward with, with what we really are here to do. And so I'm thankful that, uh, that we get to talk about uh, the, the lobby and, and your plans and hopes and dreams for that. And, and uh, Father, I pray that you would bless um, any encounters, any meetings, any prayers, any action in, in the lobby going forward, uh, Father, that it would bring honor and glory to you, that we would connect with one another, we would connect with you deeply through that space, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, again, this morning I want to talk about the lobby, I want to talk about why we designed it that way, and uh, specifically why we have so many places to sit, that we, in our previous lobby, we didn't have that, but we have so many different places uh, for us to, to have a seat, and I want to talk about that. Before I jump into that, I want to address the cafe, that the cafe right now is wonderfully led by our students as it has been in the past, and they raise uh, money for their mission trips, and, it, and, it's, and it's great. The students do a great job with that, but right now, our cafe is, is basically what it was in the old building, which means that we're only open on Sunday mornings and um, and we have a few drinks available, but, uh, but it's, it's not all that we want it to be. I just want to let you know that our hope for the, for the cafe area is that we would have some healthy sandwiches and some healthy food choices and smoothies and other drinks there so that it could be open throughout the week for visitors from Horizon School or from Pecos Park dropping in or for people who work in the neighborhood or people who go to yoga and then afterwards they hang out uh, in the lobby area so that that whole space can be utilized every day throughout the week and it's not just a Sunday experience. And so what we've discovered as we got closer to our grand opening is that the process of making that happen in a nonprofit organization was a little trickier than what we had hoped or thought. And so we've got to figure some things out and figure out how to manage that and deal with our uh, uh, tax issues and all that. Right now, it is what it has been in the past, but we have a hope and a dream that it is going to be something uh, different going forward. We're just not sure when that's going to happen. So I just wanted to kind of um, paint that picture for you. But this morning, the point, I, the point I just want to make with regard to the lobby is that the church is a great place to make friends. The church is a great place to make friends. And I don't know how many of you are interested in making new friends. Yeah, we got one over here. And, uh, uh, and so, good. Uh, and so, um, anybody here want to meet? You know, can, so, um, so the church is a great place to make friends. I know some of you, you're fine. You didn't whoop at that comment. And so you, your, your, your friend card is full. That maybe your phone, it, does, that doesn't, it runs out of space uh, because of all the friends and all the contacts that you have. And uh, great, good for you. It could be that you're the kind of person that when you walk down the street, people gather behind you singing and dancing as you're walking all night long. You're just walking around and you're just, what, you just have people with you all the time singing and dancing. That's just who you are. You have friends with you all the time. But I know that that's not every one of us, that, that some of us are still open to, the, to new friends, and that some of us are so short on friends in our culture that we pay people to do what friends are really supposed to do. For example, we, some of us pay a therapist just to listen to us, 
just to be a good ear. Sometimes, you know, therapists provide tremendous insight, but sometimes we just, we just want someone to listen to us the way a good friend would listen to us. Sometimes we, we pay personal trainers to spot for us when really we just need a friend to, to do that with us and to spot for us. Or we pay a cab or an Uber to give us a ride somewhere when really what we need, we just need a friend to be there for us or to pick us from the airport, pick us up from the airport or whatever. That many of us are open to uh, making new friends. There was a, a book that came out a number of years ago called Bowling Alone, and it addresses this American pastime that is certainly a part of American culture and American history. And interestingly enough, in the past few decades, the participation in bowling has increased, but people are not bowling on teams as they have in the past, like we've seen on the Flintstones. And, you know, because that, that's the picture. That is American culture, right? The Flintstones and and the whole scene there. But, um, but it's, it's less people bowling on teams and more and more people are bowling alone. And so it's just so many of the activities, this book goes after, so many of the activities are shifting from team activities to uh, alone activities. And the internet is not helping. That the reason social media and social um, interaction is so blazingly popular is that we have a huge desire to have relationship. We have a huge desire to connect with one another, but uh, uh, the, the internet, and that's why there are, there are billionaires popping up with ideas on social media on how we can connect with this, but it is not working. It's proving to not be effective. It is not scratching the, the social uh, need that we have. For example, there's a, a, a screenwriter named Aaron Sorkin, who's my absolute favorite screenwriter. He's written a number of movies and a number of uh, TV shows. He's absolutely brilliant. And at one point he says that uh, socializing on the internet is to socializing what reality TV is to reality. That it's just not real. It's, it, we need something real, and it's not real. In fact, we have been designed, created by our God with a need to connect with one another. Let, let me give you um, just amazing evidence of this deep in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 at the creation story. We find in chapter 1 that the creation story that, uh, that God would periodic, periodically at the end of a day would look at what God had created and said, it is good. It is good. And then we find in chapter two when God creates Adam and he looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is good. Creation is good. All is well. And here is Adam. It is not good for Adam to be alone. What is very profound about that is that this happens in chapter two before the story that we're familiar with in chapter three. It's in chapter three that we have the fruit we have the fall. We have the origin of sin and the separation between God and humanity. And the story goes that in chapter 2, prior to the fall, God looks at Adam and says, it is not good for him to be alone. So Adam has perfect communion, perfect connection with God. There's, there's, there's nothing obstructing that. There's no sin. It's perfect connection there in the Garden of Eden. And God said, this isn't enough. What I mean by that, what's so profound about that is that your connection with God is not 
enough. Us gathering in this room and making memories together while we connect vertically with our creator is not enough, according to what we read in the first three chapters of the Bible. That there is a need for us. We've been designed to connect with one another, to have relationship with one another, to belong to something, to be part of something. It is, it is weird for us to walk down the street singing and dancing all by ourselves. We need the people behind us singing and dancing with us, otherwise it's a little bit odd, especially if we do it all night long. Are you with me here? And, and, and I, I think that, that I, f- I find as I get older, this whole process of making friends gets a little more complicated. It wasn't complicated when we were young. When we were kids, it's, it's easy. It's effortless. I mean, for many of us, who's, who is our best friend? It's the one who lives closest to us. It's a proximity issue, and that's it. Gary Croom lived around the block from me. Gary was in a different grade. We had different interests, but Gary and I were best friends growing up. We're still friends because of proximity, because we played games, because we had lots of things that we did together, and so it was easy for us to connect in that way. But when we get older, it just gets a little bit more complicated. So I want to just, I wonder if any of you have the same question that I have sometimes, why is it so hard to make friends? I mean, we've been designed to connect with one another. Why is it so hard in our culture, especially the, those of us who are um, uh, a little bit older, whatever, how, how, why is it so hard to make friends? And I think there are plenty of answers to that question, and you may have your own answers. I want to take, take a look at three different answers this morning. Three different answers. The first is because we are so busy Why is it so hard to make friends? Because we are so busy. Our schedules are so jam-packed. We have no margin in our lives for those extra conversations, for those extra opportunities to spend time with people, to be available, to take a trip, to spend a day hanging out or whatever. We are so jam-packed busy. For those of you who have kids, you may be experiencing this now or remember this in the the recent future, but, uh, or the recent past, but um, I know with my kids, when they were growing up, there's this issue in our culture about how involved they are in club sports. And so, so there's, all, there's all this pressure of how can, they, how can they succeed in life unless they're spending 15 hours a week doing club sports six days a week. And so that decision then, that impacts perhaps a Sunday morning uh, experience and church time, or it impacts evening meals together as a family. And so then we, like many families, have to decide, how is this going to work? Because obviously my kid's invited into these club teams, and so they must be special. They must be special, and that they could be a professional in that area and make millions of dollars, just like all the other kids in the neighborhood who are special. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just this, this common thing. How can they get through life if we don't put them in club sports, etc.? And so there's just so much pressure. We are just so busy, so saturated in terms of filling our days and filling our weeks. Secondly, uh, it's hard to make friends because we're so picky. It seems uh, for me and maybe for some of you that the older we get, the more picky we get in terms of who we're going we're gonna to hang out with. And I'm no sociologist. I am no expert in terms of American culture. But my, I would say, based on my experience, that it all changed in the 90s because of Seinfeld. That in the 90s, we learned that there are 
close talkers and low talkers and double dippers, and there are so many social dysfunctions that we've got to stay away from those people. We have to make fun of them and not make friends with them. And so here we are 20 years later, and we still have the residuals. We still have episodes of Seinfeld on TV, and so these things are still affecting us. And here 20 years later, now we have dietary things that get in the way. That you, you can't be friends with them because they eat gluten. They're, and you're an anti-glutenite. And so you, you can't be together. How could, how could that possibly be a lasting friendship? You can't be friends with them because they eat dairy. And so how could you get out? How could you go to the same places? It was just so confusing, so we have to find other ways. We're just so picky. We find so many new reasons to, to not enter into relationship with people. This, you know, imagine you're at home and you've hosted a meal and somebody says, oh, this soup is delicious. And, and then you say, well, it was easy. I just took a bunch of cans and put them in and added chicken and let it, let it um, simmer for the whole day. And then the person goes, cans? <sighs> Honey, we're out of here. We're out of here. Because it's just, I'm so picky. I can't do that. I can't eat that. I can't touch that. I can't get near that. I'm allergic to that, et cetera. So the world is just different now. It's just, we're just more picky for whatever reason. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's emotional, whatever. Third, a third reason is as we get older, one of the reasons it's, it's hard to make friends is that we may not know how. We don't know how. That when we're younger, when we're in school, it's easy. It's, you're, 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 you share class together. You share a team together. You're, you're in that class, and you have a common enemy, the teacher. And so you're, you, you have this thing. You've, there's so many reasons to bond together. And that when you get out of school, when you get different seasons of life, then how are we supposed to... How are we supposed to make friends? Where are we supposed to meet people? How is this supposed to work? You're supposed to go to a bar? How's that worked out for you? And so there are different ways that we may try. How can we make friends? It just gets a little bit complicated at times. And then once again, I come down to this, to this whole premise for this morning that the church is a great place to make friends. The church is a great place to make friends. So let me address these three things. Again, there are lots of other reasons why it's hard to make friends in our culture. But first, looking at, we're so busy. There was a psychiatrist at Harvard who some years ago summarized that the areas that we put our time and our energy, they can be uh, uh, summarized into two different categories, achieving and connecting. Achieving is all about setting goals and accomplishing something. Achieving is about is about um, uh, winning. It's about saying, this is what I want to accomplish and then moving towards it and then moving towards success and being driven towards that. We can all relate, relate with that. Connecting is about relationships. It's about our family. It's about our parents. It's about our siblings. It's about our spouse. It's about dating. It's about making friends. It's about caring for people who need us to care for them. And it's about being cared for by someone else at times. That the connecting piece is, is, a, is a large part of, of what we put, of, of what's important to us and what, what we need. Now the psychiatrist uh, concludes or makes the observation that in our culture now, we are obsessed with achieving and we are bankrupt in terms of connecting. That the pendulum has switched, switched so far towards achieving and we are so desperate in terms of the connecting piece. If this is true, 
then this explains why we're so busy. We fill our days, fill our weeks, fill our plans with ways to achieve, to experience success, and that's, uh, we all can relate to that. You just want to keep on moving going forward and, and see what you can accomplish in a year, etc. But so often we do that at the expense of connectedness. We will walk all over people. We will step over people, climb on top of people in order to achieve something, in order to succeed. And so the challenge as I'm looking through, reading through this and thinking through this with regard to our God-given need for other people is, are we willing to trade in some achieving for some connecting? As you look at how your weeks and months are filled, is there some part of your desire to achieve, which is great, but is there some part of that that you're willing to back off on for the sake of leaving room, margin in your life to be successful in terms of connecting with other people? Or another way of looking at it is, as you're achieving, can you keep the connecting value present? Can you, can you think as you're achieving, can you think about how is this affecting my family relationships? How is this affecting the people I'm at school with? How is this affecting the people I'm at work with? Because I want to continue to achieve, but I want to bring in this connection value, this connecting piece. Because in the end, you and I both need both. We need achieving and connecting. Are you willing to trade in a little bit of achieving for the sake of connecting? Okay, the, the second reason I've identified in terms of why it's hard for us to make friends is that we're picky. We're, we can be so picky. And uh, for this, I want to remind you of this uh, Bible that's buried here in the concrete, and it's opened up to chapter 12 of Romans. Also in that chapter, it is, it is open for, chap, for verse 2 of that chapter, but also in that chapter, Paul has this to say. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, he says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, that's the good times, patient in affliction, those are the difficult times, faithful in prayer, that's all times. And then he wraps up with this, share with the Lord's people who are in need Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. So Romans chapter 12 is opened up in uh, concrete underneath me right here and it has this phrase, practice hospitality. Paul doesn't say um, consider hospitality. He doesn't say for those of you who are naturally hospitable, then use that gift and flourish with that. He says to all of us, and I believe the word of God is, is alive, and so it doesn't just apply to them, it applies to us. To us, the writer says, practice, do hospitality. Do it, do it, act on it. Hospitality, this word is, uh, the Greek word here is um, one that is difficult to translate. We don't have an English equivalent. So the word in, in the original Greek is philoxenia. And uh, it's only found twice in Scripture, uh, this word philoxenia. And again, it does not have an English equivalent. It's made up of two different words. Uh, philo, which means friend, and xenos, which means stranger. And so this word is saying practice friendliness towards strangers. 
Practice kindness and love towards strangers. Now, there's a lot of issues here with the, with the language because even in English, we use the word stranger. No wonder we're picky when, when it comes to people we don't know when the word we use to describe them is stranger. You ever thought about that? We don't know somebody, so they're stranger. They're not just strange, they're stranger. That would be like using the word uh, for a, a blind date, referring to that person as an, as an ugly. That's the, that's the word that we use to refer to a blind date. Your ugly is arriving at 7 o'clock, and so hopefully you can meet, and that person can become your future spouse. And so it's just kind of a, we just have to get a, tr- we trip up on that word here, stranger. The idea here is that, is that we are to um, show, is we are to practice philoxenia. We are to practice friendship towards those we don't know, towards strangers. Always friendly, always friendly in all circumstances. Always friendly in all circumstances. In other words, don't be so picky. As you're interacting with people and you're uh, deciding, you know, how, how, whether you're going to engage with somebody or have a conversation with somebody, just back off on the, on the pickiness part and just jump in. We, we have reasons and we say, well, this person's too, too old. I can't connect with somebody who's old like that. Or this person's too young. They're so young, they, they don't even understand the Seinfeld reference. How can, I, how can I do life with somebody like that? Or this person's too wealthy. And this person uh, doesn't have means like I do, so we can't do the same kind of vacations together or whatever. We find all these reasons to separate ourselves from one another. And yet Scripture is consistent that, that the biblical relationships we're supposed to have are ones where, that are unique in culture, that are unique in culture, that Paul elsewhere says that there is neither Greek nor Jew, neither slave nor free, there's male nor female. Yes, there's uniqueness among all those, among all those pieces, but when we come together, we are together. That the church is this unique social institution where a CEO of a large company can sit right next to a homeless person because here in this space, we come to the same, that the ground is level. The foot of the cross is level ground. We all come before Jesus broken and in need, and we come arm in arm together, and we, and we, and we instead of being tick, picky about our differences, we come in and we say, we, we have so much that we can still learn from one another so that we are, we are together, old and young and rich and poor. There is one exception for this Sunday only on this issue, and that is anyone who is an L.A. Dodger fan. So I just, wanted to, I just want to lovingly say, you're not welcome here. Um, I just, you know, I just want to say that cleanly, but next week maybe, but not, not today. So um, the church is a place where we are supposed to practice hospitality. The church is a, is a place where we are to experience and practice this idea of, of taking, oh, Dodger fans. Um, this is a place where we are supposed to take uh, strangers and bring love and friendliness into those relationships. So third, third and final thing that, is, that, that makes friendships difficult in our, in our culture, and that is uh, that we don't know how. This idea of we're not in school anymore, and so there's less natural ways for us to do that. And I have just have a simple suggestion on this that is very much connected to our design of the lobby, and the suggestion is this. 
take a seat. Take a seat and relax. When it comes to connecting with other people, there's a big difference between sitting and standing. There's just a difference. If you go to a doctor's office and you have the tests and they take blood or whatever they need to do and they go back and they look for their results or they talk about what to do and then they come in and they they give you the prescription. If the doctor comes in with the iPad or with the the, the notepad or whatever, the doctor comes in and, um, uh, and stands above you and says, do you have any questions? We all know what they really mean. What they really mean is, you don't have any questions, do you? Because they're standing over you, and as you're sitting and listening, you're going, okay, uh, I have three seconds to come up with a, a, a brilliant question that is reasonable in front of this person that I'm somewhat intimidated by, and so I have to do it quickly, and I have to do it right, and so all we say is, no, I don't have any questions. And as soon as they leave, then you're flooded with questions. But if a doctor, we know this, if a doctor comes and has the same information and the same iPad and, and comes into your room and sits down on a stool, sits down on a chair across from you and says, and explains it to you and then says, do you have any questions? It's a totally different story. <sighs> okay, actually I do have a couple questions. It's a totally different story, sitting versus standing. If you are visiting someone, you go to their house and you have dinner together and then afterwards you, um, you sit on a nice comfy couch like this and you have great conversation. And then after a while you think you're done. You're done with the conversation. It's time to go home. What is the international sign to let everyone know that you're ready to go home? You stand up. You're sitting here and you're having a good time. And then you kind of go, well, this has been good. Really enjoyed dinner. Appreciate that. I mean, everyone knows what that means. Unless your wife goes, so... Tell us how you two met. And then you're standing up there and you go, ah. And then you sit down because you know you're not going to see the end of the game. And, and so you know, you know you're stuck there for a while. Not that that's ever happened to me, but I know that's happened to, to, to some of uh, the rest of you. But there's, there is a clear difference. There's a communication, the difference between sitting and standing. We have built our, our lobby and our patio and the balcony here, the second floor of the lobby area and the whole cafe area with a number of places to sit, with a number of different places to sit so that we can all just take a seat and relax because sitting and standing communicate two different things. In the past, our lobby is typically a place where we stand, where we stand and interact with one another. And basically standing means I'm here temporarily. I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm shifting my weight back and forth and I'd rather be somewhere else. Sitting, however, means I'm comfortable. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not worried about the next phase. I'm here. I'm with you here right now, and I'm going to have an actual conversation with you. My son, last week at our grand opening, he was looking at the lobby, and he made a really interesting observation. He said, Dad, I was surprised at the number of people who did this. Yeah, these exact couches are in the lobby. So I was surprised at the number of people who did this. And I said, oh, great observation. I said, son, you know why? Because they're afraid to commit. Because they're afraid, I don't want to fully sit because that means I might be here for a while. And I'm tired, so I don't really want to stand. So this is kind of a medium spot where I can slip down if there's an interesting conversation, but I can hop up in a half a second if I need to get out of here. So this, and, and what, what I've thought about with that is that this here, this thing here, this in no gap 
catalog, is this thing ever referred to as a butt rest? No, nowhere have I ever seen, you know, described this is an armrest because you sit and you put your arm over here. Take a seat, relax, have a conversation with somebody, ask them about them, um, uh, introduce yourself, and, and just kind of find out what their story might be. Because you are surrounded here in this space, you are surrounded by a number of people who are just as interesting as you are. And you never know which of those conversations where you just take a seat and relax might lead to an an actual friendship, an actual relationship that you didn't know was gonna be there. And that's what our hearts need. That's what our hearts are looking for. We're looking to make friends. (laughs) Tell me about yourself. You're looking to make friends. So if you are here and you've never connected at a church, you've been to church before, you've Christmas and Easter and weddings, and so you're, you're familiar with church, but you've never connected at a church. It's not, it's not been a social engagement piece for you. It's as social as going to a movie or something like that. Uh, or if you, um, if you perhaps were connected with a church at one point, but that was a long time ago, and there are reasons that you haven't connected since then, and there's some hurt or pain, then I am so glad that you're here at this new phase of Mountain Park's story, of Mountain Park's journey. So glad that you are here, especially if you were here last week and you decided to come back and just kind of see what this whole church thing is, what this whole um, Jesus thing is. I'm so glad that you're here. Because the church is a great place to make friends. I know that, that one of the reasons that we may not be sure about connecting with church people is that church people can be weird. I know that. I'm a professional church person. And I know from many years of experience that church, I have evidence that church people can be weird. And church people can say weird things and, and act in weird ways or whatever. But let me just tell you something about, something, something great and super important about about the people you're sitting with here in this room is that the, 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 one of the things that we powerfully have in common here, it's what levels the, the playing field, is that we are pursuing Jesus. We are pursuing Jesus. And each of us here in this room, we're in different parts of that journey. Maybe you're right at the very beginning considering Jesus. Maybe you are, have a deep, 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 long relationship with Jesus But what's common here in this room is that we are pursuing Jesus and that is a major factor in terms of making friends. If you're single and you're looking for someone to date or you're looking for someone to to, um, enter into covenant with at some point, the number one factor you wanna find is someone who's pursuing Jesus. If you're young and you're dating and you're, oh, who, I like this person, I don't like this person, the number one factor factor for you and your heart and your future is if that person is pursuing Jesus. You find someone who's pursuing Jesus, you look over and you go, that's the one I want to spend some time with. It's the number one factor. If you're wanting to make a friend, if you want to find someone who is a lifelong, life-changing friend, someone who's bold enough to challenge you when you need to be challenged, to encourage you when you need to be encouraged, then the, the greatest factor that you could find in a friend is someone who is pursuing Jesus so that we can do this 
together. The church is a great place to make friends because because what we have in common is Jesus. Is that is that this is this whole thing is all about Jesus. We don't never want to be confusing in any way about that. This is all about Jesus. And so we've designed a lobby where you can come and you can take a seat and relax and you can engage with in conversations with people who are perhaps different than you, but who may have eventually a significant part of your story, part of your life. That's why we built the lobby that way, and that's why I hope that you would enjoy it in the weeks and uh, months and years to come. As we wrap up here today, um, I uh, appreciate that you have sat comfortably and you have communicated to me that you're here to stay for a period of time. And now, since we're nearing the end, I want to ask if you would stand and, and communicate to me that you're ready to go. And so what I want to do is I want to pray with you, uh, and then the band is going to lead us in just a a short uh, repeat of one of the songs that we already sang. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, I'm so thankful to be here in this uh, place, and God, God, I'm thankful for the the friendships that I've experienced here through your church, where I've been challenged and encouraged by other people. God, I pray a blessing on every effort, every seat that is taken in, in the months to come, as people are pursuing relationship with one another, God, would you, would you just bless those encounters to allow friends to meet, to allow us to, to get to know people that maybe we wouldn't have naturally connected with. And God, would all of this happen for your glory so that we can connect deeper with you as we connect with one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.